glad to be back here today. I'm glad to be back in to our new series here, Spiritual Fitness. If you remember uh, last uh, two weeks ago when we were here, we were talking about how we were coming into this, this spiritual fitness. As, as New Year's comes, everybody sets these goals and resolutions uh, that they want to try and excuse me, strive for, that they want to try to uh, grow in, things they want to make better in their lives. And so our goal this year is to draw closer to Christ. And so we're going to begin with spiritual fitness. As many people go to the gym, I can tell you. Uh, my son now has his membership to the gym. He is excited to be able to go. And so now there's three of us going up there, and, and I'll be glad when Jul- uh, February gets here and the people that signed up and give up leave. Uh, I hate to say that, but, man, they're just taking up space in the gym that I could be using, so... Uh, but no, it's, uh, it's, our goal is to draw closer to Christ. That's our fitness goal this year. We want to draw closer to him. We want to uh, be nearer to our God, nearer to our Savior, have a deeper relationship with him, and we want to equip you guys for it because that's what our job is. As, as uh, the Bible tells us, Paul says that he gave some as apostles, some as evangelists, some as preachers and teachers, all for the equipping of the saints for the ministry work. And we want to be able to equip you uh, in all aspects, and that includes being able to draw closer to your Savior. So today we're going to be talking about prayer as we get that. So go ahead and open up your Bibles, fire up your devices to Nehemiah chapter 1. That's going to be our launching point, but as many of you know, when you see my Bible and you see lots of different spaces, there's going to be lots of things we're going to be looking at today. As we look at prayer... Because that's where this all begins, uh, is, is being in prayer. And I, as I was looking at some statistics in this, it was really kind of disheartening uh, to, to see where uh, we are when, as Christians when it comes to prayer. It's, uh, unfortunately, the numbers show that it is declining to become an important part in our lives. Uh, back about 30 years ago, studies showed that most Christians prayed daily. It was about 80%. 80-85% of Christians prayed daily. The most recent study that I saw, uh, I believe it was 2017, and at that point it was at about 65% and falling and going down. They are praying on a daily basis. And, you know, it's still, that's quite a few. That's quite a few Christians come together. But when you look at other, other religions that spend more time in prayer, it's disheartening. But what you look at is the number that's increasing the most is those that don't even pray at all. That never pray, because you look at, you got 32% of people that either pray weekly, monthly, or not at all. And the number that's coming up is they don't pray at all. They don't spend any time in prayer. And there could be many reasons for this. For a lot of us, prayer can seem intimidating. It can seem like you're weird. You see somebody else, looks like they're talking to themselves. And we don't want people to think we're weird. Or maybe we're just too busy. Man, we just got so much we have to do in life. I just can't, I just don't have time for that. It's not a priority for us. And so we don't focus on the one thing that God has given us to draw us closer to him than anything. That's the ability to talk to him. And so I want to look at prayer. I want to look at it from a biblical view today of, of what it means to pray and why we pray and how we pray. See, we've been told to pray. Christ has told us to pray. He's given us examples. We're going to talk about this. But we've been commanded to pray, and yet we don't do it. And I'm here to tell you, if, if, I, if I came in here and I told you, we're not going to do the Lord's Supper anymore. We're going to cast that. We're not going to do that. That's not important. We're not going to sing worship songs anymore. We're going to do a five-minute uh, message. That's it. We're not going to go out and engage our community. We're just going to come and have potlucks and hang out. Man, y'all would get upset. You'd lose it. That's not what it's about. That's not what we're supposed to do. We've been told to do these other things. We've been told to pray, and it's not a priority for us. 
And so we want to help to equip you. We want to be able to help equip you as families, as individuals, and equip the children to pray. And so we're going to look at it here in Nehemiah. We're just going to use this as a springboard to go into the rest of this message. As you can see, I have uh, this up here. It's because there's so much in this one. There's so many passages we're going to look at that actually I'm going to give you guys something that I don't normally do. I'm going to give you my notes at the end. At the end of service, they'll be back in the back. And I encourage you to take it because it's going to have every scripture we reference in here. It's going to have what I'm preaching. It's going to have for you guys to look back at, to reference that as you're starting to build this, this life of prayer. And so at the after service, I encourage you, grab one of those. There'll be some more stuff back there I'm going to talk about too. But grab one of those and use that as a reference to, to go back to all the things we're talking about today. But we're going to start in Nehemiah because I want to look at a view of biblical prayer. I want to look at what that looks like and go from there. So if you would, I invite you to please stand in honor of reading God's word. And we're going to read the whole first chapter of Nehemiah. There's not a whole lot there, but I want to, to go through this. So beginning in verse 1, it says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Cheslev, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. They said to me, The remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keeps his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote parts of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O Lord, I beseech you. May your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. So Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Lord, speak into us today as we look at this gift you've given us of prayer. Lord, help us to see why we pray and how we pray and the importance of it. Let us not forsake something so great that you have given. So we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Nehemiah. We talked a little bit last time. We talked about Ezra. We were right before this in Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah are actually were one book at one time, written by the prophet Nehemiah. Nehemiah, one of the prophets of Israel, considered one of the, the minor prophets. He's in captivity in Babylon. Remember, we've talked about that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed 
Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, tore them down, took them into captivity. And so Nehemiah, I love this book. This is actually, uh, I didn't even know there was a book in Nehemiah. When I came to faith, this was the book that we were going through in church. So it holds a very special place in my heart. But it's such an amazing view here as we see this view of biblical prayer. You see, Nehemiah has been in captivity. He's in Babylon. He doesn't know everything that's happened. They know that, that they'd been attacked, but they'd been attacked before, and they had been in exile before. And so he asks, he has, they're getting ready to come out of exile, getting ready to be released. And he, he asks, he says there in verse 2, he asks one of my brothers and some men who were from Judah. He says, I'm asking, well, okay, what's going on with those who are back there? What about those who escaped, those that did make captivity? He says, I know there was a remnant. He says, what's, what's happened back there? And they go, you're right, there's a remnant. There are those who, who survived. They, they, they didn't come into captivity, and, and, and they're the ones God has left there and promised to leave there. He go, but they tell him, man, there's some bad news. It's not what you guys remember. It's bad this time. They didn't just come in and take some of the stuff. They, they, they destroyed the place. It's gone. The great temple is gone. He says, the walls, the wall of Jerusalem, the wall that surrounded the city and protected it, he says, it's gone. It's been destroyed. And then we see Nehemiah begin this model of prayer. In verse 4, he says, When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. You see, Nehemiah went straight to God. The first thing he did. You see, that, that's, that's, that's part of our problem. Is we don't go to God first. God, God tends to be our last resort. Prayer is our last resort. When I have no other chance, no other hope, I'm going to throw this Hail Mary out there and go to God. And Nehemiah is the very first thing he did. Before anything else, says, we'll read. He'll go before the king as God answers the prayers in chapter 2. But before he even does that, he comes to the Lord. It's, it's, if you've ever watched The Simpsons, well, you're as corrupted as I am. But in it, there was an episode where Bart was getting ready to fail one of his classes. If he didn't pass his test, and of course, if you know Bart Simpson, he doesn't pass tests. He messes around. He screws around. He doesn't do the stuff. And he knows he's going to fail. And so he's in his bedroom, and he's praying, and his sister walks by, and she goes, prayer, the last resort of a scoundrel. It was the last resort, and that's often how we are. Man, we're, we're in those dire moments, and the world's falling apart, and I've tried everything on my own. I've tried to get through this. I've tried to pick myself up. I tried to save my marriage, my marriage that I couldn't save because I broke it. God was my last resort, and he should have been my first resort. should have been the first thing to go to him, not just in our struggles, but in our joys, in everything. The prayer should be the first thing we do. Make that our priority to come to him first. It's what Nehemiah did. He came to God in prayer and fasting. And I was actually wanting to talk about fasting, but we're going to be long enough today. I've got some information if you want on that I'd love to share uh, because I do believe there is a, a, a benefit to fasting and not just for weight loss because I can tell you that doesn't work. But there is a spiritual benefit to fasting. We'll talk about that, but he went to God in prayer. And that should be our first priority. Prayer is our first step. It's not our last resort. And so I want to look at what prayer is. If it's not our last resort and it's our first step, well, what exactly is it? I, I found some new revelation in the Bible. 
I'll share with you guys. It's deep. Prayer is talking to God. That's all it is. It's simply talking to God. Talking to our Creator. It's not meditation. It's not just silent, you know, passive reflection. I, I, I really, I, I struggle when you go to something and they say, let's have a, a moment of silence. No, let's have a moment that we can pray to God. Let's not be silent. Let's talk to the Father in this time of need. That's not what prayer is about. It's not about being silent. Now, there is some silence to it. You should be listening to God. Your prayers should spend time listening to Him also, not just talking to Him. It's a conversation. It's a dialogue back and forth. But it's, what is it? it's a communication between the human soul and the creator of that soul. It's a chance for our soul to speak to the one who brought it into being. It's the primary way for us to communicate our emotions and our desires with God. Prayer is the primary way we can communicate our desires to him. Yes, God knows everything. He knows what we need. But he wants us to talk to him. He wants us to communicate that with him. He wants that relationship. See, that's what it's about. It's about a relationship. It's about communicating back and forth and talking with him. I'm married. I've had an amazing wife. Well outside of my insurance coverage. Those of you who are married know that it takes work. You have to communicate with your wife. She knows what I need for the most part. But there are some things I need, some desires I have that she doesn't know. And there's desires she has that I don't know. And we have to communicate those back and forth. If she doesn't tell me and I don't tell her, what happens is our relationship begins to grow stagnant. It begins to grow stagnant, and then it starts to deteriorate. The reason our marriage was on the verge of a divorce is because we didn't know how to communicate. We didn't talk to one another, and I thought she knew what I wanted. She thought I knew what she wanted, and we started falling apart. If you're not communicating with God, your relationship with him is going to grow stagnant. He's going to become more and more distant to you. He's going to be something that's in the back of your mind, something that's just back over there that you worry about. God, I'll call you when I need you. And your relationship grows stagnant with him. You wouldn't do that in your own. You wouldn't do that with your kids. You wouldn't do that with your spouse, with your coworkers. You want to have communication. Sometimes you don't want to talk to your coworkers or your kids, even your spouse. But you got to have that communication so the relationship can grow. And God has given us prayer so that our relationship with him can grow. So that we can tell him what we need. Because he wants to hear us rely on him. You see, that's what it is. A prayer is based on God's love for us, knowing that we can trust him. When we go to him in prayer, we're saying, God... I'm trusting that you can take care of this. God, I'm trusting that you have this in control. I'm trusting that you are the creator. And I don't have to hold it. I don't have to try and do it. Because I know you've got it, God. And so we go to him with these things, trying to show that our need is based on him. Our need is based on him providing everything for us. But so often we think we're just going to do it ourselves. I'll just do it myself. I don't really need you, God. 
I don't need you right now. I, I got this. I'm under, got under control. And then what happens? Our life starts to spiral out of control. And what do we do? Do we go to God? No, we still try to, okay, I'm spiraling out, but I got this. I can still land this plane. One, the wings are gone. All the landing gears off it, but I got this. It's not till that moment of impact that we turn to prayer. That we cry out to him. And in the beginning, let's start trusting God. Spend that time with him. Men, spend that time praying with God. Women, spend that time. Husbands and wives, come together and pray. That's something me and my wife need to work more on. Pray with your children. Spend that time trusting because it shows your family, especially your kids. It shows them that our trust is in the Lord, not in ourselves. And so why do we pray? Well, there's six or seven ways here, and we're going to start running through the Bible in this as we look through this, of, of why we pray. We don't do it just because. There's actually reasons that we do it. If we're doing it just because, all you're trying to do is you're getting that check mark. You're just saying words. You're just babbling at that point, just checking off a box. But there's actual reasons why. The first reason we look at is we do it to seek God's favor. We pray to seek God's favor. We see that in Exodus 32.11. Right after the golden calf, and God is going to come down and he is angry with them because he's just led the Israelites out of bondage. And while he's up talking with Moses, getting things ready, they're like, oh, we're going to make a calf and say this is our God. And God is angry, and it says in verse 11, Then Moses entreated the Lord his God and said, O oh Lord, why does your anger burn against your people, whom you have brought out from the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? He's seeking God's favor. He says, God, why, why are you going to do this? We, we see the same thing in Nehemiah. I beseech you, O oh Lord God of heaven. I need you, God. I need you to come. I need you to hear me. I need you to, to help me through this. I can't do it on my own. And so I need your favor, God. I need your blessing. I need the hope that can only come from you. And so that's one of the reasons why we pray is we want to see that favor. We pray that now. God, we pray for God that we can see people here in Hooksit and in Auburn and in Bow. And in Manchester, come to know Jesus. We want to see his favor. We want to see that blessing. We want to see new faces that come in that door because we're engaging. We want to see opportunities. We can go and engage with people. We need God to open those doors for us. We need his favor to do it because we can't do it on our own. We need him. Another reason is we see, we, we pray is, is we do it to pour our soul out to the Lord. We pray to pour our soul before him. In 1 Samuel, right there in the very first chapter, we read about Hannah as Samuel's mother. And she's barren. She hasn't had children. And she's at the temple. And while she's there in verse 13, it says, She was speaking in her heart, and only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And so Eli, the priest, he thought she was drunk. Here's this woman in here, and she's over here. Looks like she's drunk. Her mouth's moving. He can't hear anything. And he confronts her, and she says, But no. No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong ink, but I have poured my soul out before the Lord. She was there not 
not because she knew that God knew what she was going through. She was there because she wanted to tell God what she was going through. She wanted to say, God, I'm broken. God, I'm hurting right now. I can't do this. I am so, so struggling. And sometimes that's what we need to do. I I remember being a non-believer, and I would still cry out, because, man, that's getting that, that, that Hail Mary. I was throwing out something, maybe just in case. Man, when you are in the struggles, and you have nothing else to do, pour your soul out to God. Lay it out there. Open that wound up. Standing there, bare and raw, and give it to Him. Hannah was struggling because she hadn't had a child. She made a promise to God that she would give. She was bearing her soul. God, I want to give it all to you. Open it up and give it. Pour your soul out and give it all to God. Don't keep holding on to it. That's what prayer is for, so we can let it go. We can hand it over. And how do we do that? Well, that's the third way, or why, is we do it to cry out to God. We lay our soul out by crying out to God. In 2 Chronicles, chapter 32, here we have Hezekiah. Hezekiah is one of the few kings that you'll see where it says that he did right in the eyes of God. As you read through these, you'll see it says, and he did not do right. He did wrong. He did evil. Hezekiah did right. He rebuilt the temple. He brought back the Passover. And then they're being attacked and this, this enemy is coming against him. He's done everything that God has wanted him to do. And the enemy's coming against him. And it says in verse 20, But Hezekiah, King Hezekiah and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, cried out about this, and they cried out to heaven. Even though they were doing what they were supposed to do, it seemed like it was all falling apart. And they hollered out, God, do you see me? How many times in your life have you cried out, God, do you see me? You're going through something and doesn't you think you're doing what God wants you to do. You're trying to follow his will. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're just going through a tough time in life and you're God, do you see where I am? Have you forgot about me? On this great big earth, I'm one in eight and a half billion people. Do you still see me, Lord? That's what we pray. We pray to cry out to him. We want him to see us. We want him to know that we're here. And I'm here to tell you, God knows where you are. God knows what you're going through. So don't think he doesn't see you, but it's okay to cry out and say, God, are you there? God, do you hear me? That's something I'm sure we all struggle with. I struggle with it. I can tell you, I've had many times, even after coming to faith, where I go, God, what's going on? Do you see me here? He wants to talk to you. He sent his son to die on the cross so that you could talk to him, so that you could have that open path, that way to cry out to him. You see, when we cry out to God, what does is it draws us closer. That's what prayer does. It draws us closer to our Father. Prayer is the greatest way for you to draw closer to God. If you, if you want to draw closer to him, if you want to know him more, begin by talking with the Father. Don't just read this book. This is an amazing book. It has everything we need in life. 
except it doesn't have that exact direct relationship to God that prayer does. Talk to your Father. James tells us in four chapter five or chapter four verse five, he says, "Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you." Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Go to God. Draw near him. Well, how are you going to draw near him? You've got to repent. You've got to hand your sins over. Have him wash you clean with the blood of Christ. And then draw near to him. There's no better way to draw near to God and to call, than to call out to him and trust him. And that moment where you've lost a loved one. And you can either fall into that depression, you can fall into that self-pity, you can fall into that, that time of hurt, or you can first, you can call out to God and say, God, I need you near me right now. Because I can't. I just can't. I don't even know what to say, God, except I need you. That's all prayer is, is crying out and saying, God, do you hear me? Because I need you. I need you now. I need you right here. I need to trust you. Remember, that's what we talked about before. It's knowing we can trust him is what prayer is. And so we do it so that we can have that, show that trust and, and have that confidence, that hope that he gives us. We pray to seek God's wisdom. We pray to seek his wisdom. James 1 Verse 5 says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. God told Solomon, you, whatever you want, you ask it and I'll give it to you. And what's Solomon asked for? He says, I want wisdom. Didn't say I want money. I don't want power. He says, I want, I want the wisdom you have, God. That's what we all should be seeking. And that's what prayer does. It lets us ask him for wisdom. You know, I, I was an iron worker. And I saw guys that had excelled in the field. And I sought those guys out. And I asked them questions. Because I wanted to be like those guys. I wanted to be the best iron worker I could be. We tell our kids, if you want to do something in life, find someone who does that. You want to be an IT person, find the best IT person you can find. Go find a Bill Gates. Go find yourself uh, uh, a Steve Jobs and go ask that person questions. Because that's where you're going to get it. You're not going to go ask somebody who flips burgers or someone who digs ditches how to do it. You're going to go ask the people that have the, the knowledge of it. Well, if you want to know more about God, if you want to be more like God, our Savior, then you have to go and ask him the questions. You've got to ask him to give us the guidance. God, show me how to get through this. And that's when we pray. We're praying and for everything to happen according to God's will. That's, when, that's how you're asking for wisdom. When I'm praying, God, I ask that this happens, but in your will. When Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, getting ready to go to the cross, and he cries out. He says, God, if there's any other way that this cup can pass by, let it. But he says, not my will, but yours. He says, I want your wisdom, God. I want it to be what you want. That's seeking God's wisdom. That's why we do it. We want to be more like him. 
If I, didn't, if I want to do things my way, I ain't got to ask God. I know how to screw stuff up. I want to do things the right way. I want to do things the way he wants. And then when he answers those, be prepared. Because it may not be the time you want. It may not be the wisdom you want. But it's the answer from him. And like we talked about in small groups, if God has answered it, don't wait. You're not going to get a better answer. There's no need to say, oh, well, God asked, told me to do this, but I'm, I'm going to pray about it. Now, there's no need to pray about it at that point. God's already told you there's no higher power. You've hit the top of the ladder. Take that wisdom that God has given you and use it. Take that command that he's given you and use it. Go do it. And the final thing I want to talk about here as to why we pray is it's because we just have a natural desire to do so. For the believer, you have a natural desire to pray. The unbeliever says that they, they don't seek God. They don't, the, those who are apart from him, they don't want to talk to him. They don't want anything to do with him. So I flipped the right one. But for the believer, we can't help it. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it happened while Jesus was praying in a certain place after he had finished one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. We can't help it. It's part of who we are. We have this desire, whether you want to admit it or not, to pray. And I know some of you go, no, I don't want to pray. I know quite a few that I can say, you want to come away from praying? Like, no, I don't want to pray. Why? Why are we scared to pray? Why are we scared to pray? It's because we think we don't know what to say. We think we're going to say the wrong things. You're talking to God. You get to pray for other people. I'm here to tell you what. I stand up here and I pray weekly. I go home and I pray for you guys. It is a privilege to pray for other people. It's a privilege to pray with other people. So why are we scared to pray? It's natural. Don't think that you have to have these amazing uh, gifts. I can tell you what, I pray. I'm not the greatest prayer. My wife is an amazing prayer. My youngest son doesn't know, but he has the gift of intercession. He doesn't want to accept it. That boy can pray like there's nothing else on this earth. I've never seen somebody, I've told you before, he wants to pray before bed. He wants to pray before dinner. He wants to pray because the sun came up. He wants to pray because the dog went outside. The boy loves to pray, but then he gets scared to pray in front of people. Don't be scared. There's nobody in here that's going to make fun of you for praying. If they do, they've got a heart problem. I want to see every one of you praying and talking to your father. It's a gift. God has given us prayer, not for him. He's given us prayer because it fills our needs. Prayer is a gift to us. It fills our needs. We, we get to seek his favor. That's a need we have. We get to, to pour our soul out. That's a need we have. We get to cry out to him. We get to draw closer to him. We seek his wisdom. Every one of these fills our needs. God gave us prayer for us. It's not for him. We glorify him while we do it and when we do it is a gift from God. But we struggle with it. A lot of people say, I just don't know how to pray. We really don't teach classes on praying. Maybe we should teach some classes on how to pray. We should, because we don't. 
depending on maybe some denominations you've come with, maybe you had those prayers that were more of just a recital, a chant, and they didn't have any emphasis in them. It's just words that were said. But we don't know how to pray. So I'm going to give you three simple ways on how to pray. One, our prayers are offered in faith. We offer our prayers up in faith. James 1 Verse 6, but he, talk about you can ask God for wisdom, but he says, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. When you ask God in his will, remember, it's in his will. I'm not going to tell you it's a name it and claim it because it don't work that way. When you ask God in his will, do you believe he's going to answer those prayers? If you don't, you're doubting. You're not asking in faith. Praying for something and thanking God ahead of time that, God, I know you're going to answer it in your will. It may be your time frame. It may not be the way I thought it was going to happen, but I know you're going to answer that prayer. Now, you pray for a million dollars, you're probably not going to hear that one. But you pray that God will provide for all your needs, and I know you're going to provide for me, God. I know I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to get the next meal, but I know, God, that you will do it. I pray in your will that you will provide for us and then believe he's going to answer that prayer. you got to offer your prayers up in faith. Two, you have to offer them up in the name of Jesus. you got to offer your prayers up in the name of Jesus. In John 16, verse 23, Christ says, In that day you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Again, make sure we're asking God's will, but we pray in the name of Jesus. Jesus is our intercessor. You don't need to go and, and pray to the saints. You don't need to go and pray to with, have some man pray for you. You don't need to do any of that stuff. You have a direct line straight to the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who is sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for each and every one of us. Why do I want to go to someone else? I want you guys to pray for me, but I want you to pray to Jesus for me. Jesus is there on our behalf. He is there fighting for us. He is there answering questions for us. He is there providing the way. Why would we not go to him? We have to ask our prayers in the name of Jesus, not in anything else, not to anybody else. Go straight to the source. That's why he died on that cross. That's why that veil was torn open, so we can go straight to the king. And then you have to pray final way you pray is you pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about this in Romans 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When you don't know what to say, that's okay. Holy Spirit does, and he's speaking for you. And he'll give you the words you need at the right time. And so when you're scared, like, I, I, don't, I, I can't pray in front of people because I don't know what to say, Holy Spirit will give you the words. Just the right words at just the right time. And it'll be exactly what God wants to hear from you at that moment. So we pray, we offer them up in faith in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. That sounds simple. It gets even easier because Jesus gave us the model. We don't know how to pray. Jesus gave us the model. I'm going to work through this real quick. 
I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but I want to go through it real quick. We know the Lord's Prayer. They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He says, okay. And we're going to work through this. And I couldn't find a fancy acronym for it. But it's on the sheet. And it's, 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 very, it's a very simple pattern. We see it. When you go back and look at Nehemiah, you'll see he hit every piece of this. Jesus says in Matthew 6 and verse 9, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We exalt God. We exalt God. He is the top. He is the creator. He is the most high. God, you're in heaven. I hallow you. We exalt him first and foremost. In your prayers, just exalt God. In verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We yield to God's will. You offer your prayers up, seek God's will in your prayers. Don't seek your own. Don't pray out of selfish place. Doesn't mean you can't ask God for stuff, but make sure you're asking it, whatever you're needing, that God will answer it as he sees fit. Yield to him. Yield to his will and not my own. That's what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, your will be done, not mine. In verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. You've got to rely on him in your prayers. Make sure your prayers are relying on him. Remember, we talked about it. We've got to trust him. God, I, I, I'm trusting you're going to give me what I need. I'd like to have this, if that's in your will, but I trust you're going to give me what I need. Make sure that you are relying on him in your prayers. The first part of 12, and forgive us our debts. Ask for forgiveness. Repent of your sins. Ask for forgiveness. Your prayers, God, I've, I spoke bad to my wife last night. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for that. I didn't show the love of Christ to my, my neighbor. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of that. And then right behind that, we see on the second half of that, it says, as we have also forgiven our debtors, make sure that we're modeling God in what we do. That we're asking God to, to give us the strength to model him in everything we do. Verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Seek his guidance. It says, do not lead us into temptation. God, I need you to show me the right path. God, I need you to clear the path before me. I need you to open the way. I need you to open the door to have that conversation with my mother. I need you to open that door to be able to speak with my coworkers. God, I need you to open the door to find a better job. God, show me the way. Show me where you want me to go. Lord, I know you want to use me. Show me where that is. Make it clear for me. Christ showed us how to pray. We know how by offering him in faith in the name of Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. But Christ, he didn't leave us empty in this. He showed us. It begins with exalting God. Make sure that's where it starts. And make sure that it ends with seeking his guidance. Seeking him and how he's going to lead you. And so we want to help you with this. As, as we round this out today, as we try and land this plane that has no wing, and we already talked about this. 
We want to help you guys. We want to equip you for this. And so we have some more things that we're going to give you today. Because I know there's many of you that still say, I still don't know how to pray. I struggle. I don't even know how to begin with prayer. And so we have, the church has provided for you back in the back. And I'm asking for the adults, pick these up for you and your spouse. And then you can use these with your kids. Max Locato, great pastor. He's got pocket prayers. He's got a little intro talking about his struggle through praying. And then he, there are 40 prayers in here. They have a passage and then a prayer to go with it. Use this as a springboard. When you don't know how to pray, keep this with you. Keep this by your nightstand. Keep this in your car, in your purse. Keep it at work. Keep it somewhere. When you don't know how to pray, open this up and use this as a springboard to start having a conversation with God. Don't use this as just a chant that you can say and you think you're done. Use this as the beginning for you to talk with God. This is our gift to you guys. We want to equip you with it so that you can start praying better and drawing closer to him this year. And along with that, back in the back, because if you're going to be praying, I want you to know what his word is. We've talked about this. We're going to do the six-month Bible challenge. And I know some of you already started it. Man, I think that's awesome. Keep going. You're ahead. We actually had printed up and we're giving to you guys. We have these little booklets that are back there also. Again, same thing. Parents, if you pick these up and share them with your kids. Inside, it's got some information why we're going to do this, what the hope and plan is for it, has some guidance. And then it has a calendar. Starting tomorrow is when we start date. So the others ahead, you're doing awesome. On average, it's got you reading one psalm in about eight chapters a day, and then it lists average. Like for the first day, it's about 19 minutes of reading. Find 19 minutes to read. We can find 19 minutes. 19 minutes next day, 17 minutes. If you fall behind, you're not done. There's nothing on a Sunday. You can always make up on a Sunday. Don't get overwhelmed. If you fall behind. You have to stretch it out a little bit, let it go. Don't let this turn into a year, though, because you won't finish it. I know you can do this. And I know when you do, you're going to draw closer to God than you've ever been. And I want to issue you guys a challenge when it comes to prayer. They say it takes 15 days to make anything a habit. 15 days to create a new habit. And I want to challenge you now through the end of the month. I want you guys to find 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes where you can find somewhere quiet, and alone, not driving down the road, not, not where you have anything else in the world bothering you, somewhere where you can find 10 minutes a day to talk to God. And go sit down and quietly pray with him. Take your families. Take your kids. Spend 10 minutes a day praying. And if in a month, or in, at the end of this month, in 15 days, if you don't feel closer to God, I will be amazed. Because not only that, you're going to see how God is answering your prayers. You're going to hear him. You're going to feel him. And it's going to build that, that relationship that you are desiring, that we naturally want. And so I want to encourage you to please take that challenge. Don't say, oh, I'm going to do it. and Make that a priority. I don't care if it's first thing in the morning. I don't care if it's in the day. I don't care if you do it in the middle of the afternoon. Take 10 minutes and spend time with your father. Father that wants to speak with you. Before you can do any of that, before you can have the first step you have to do though is you have to have that relationship with him. To, to even have that door open, that veil parted, you need to, to come to understand that you can't do this on your own. You need Jesus Christ. You need the hope that can only come through the gospel because the gospel is the path that gets us to this relationship with the Father. And the gospel is simply this, that you were created on purpose and for a great purpose. 
That purpose was not to be rich, wasn't to have millions of dollars. If you have that, man, that's awesome. The purpose was to have a right relationship with the Father. But unfortunately, because of sin, sin that entered the world through Adam and Eve and has progressed through every generation to each one of us now, we're separated from a perfect God. But God in all his wisdom saw our greatest need, and that was for a Savior. And so just the right moment in time, he sent down his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be born of a virgin and to do what we could not do. He lived a sinless life. Jesus went to the cross where he bore the wrath of God for your sins and mine. Jesus died. He was buried, put in that tomb. It was sealed shut. But three days later, he arose out of that tomb. He came back to life. He defeated death. He proved he was who he says he was, and he could do what he says he could do. The Bible says if you profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you too can be saved. It all begins with the relationship with Christ. So if you don't have that relationship, and I encourage you, there's no better time than today. We're getting ready to take the Lord's Supper. After we'll sing a song, we'll take the Lord's Supper. That's, that's, that's a gift that Christ has given for us, for the church, for those who are in faith with him. And so if you've never had that faith, I encourage you, there's no better time than today. And then join us as we take the Lord's Supper. Don't neglect prayer. It's actually the, probably the most neglected thing the church does. Spend time with your Father. Let me pray for us. And if you have any prayer requests, if you want to pray, you want to talk, come up and see me as we sing our next song before we do the Lord's Supper. I pray, Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for the gift of prayer. What a neglected gift we have, man, that we can come and talk to you, Lord. We can talk, our soul can talk to the one that created it. What an amazing gift that is, and yet we, we let that pass by. Oh, it's okay. I've got this, God. I'm in control. I know what's going on. No. Or, or we use it as a last resort. God, I have no other choice but to come to you. There's nowhere else to go. I'm, I'm giving it to you now. No. Father, I pray that all of us can, can learn how to be more confident in talking with you. You already know where we are. You know what we're going through. What do we think we can say that's wrong? So, Father, I pray first for those who may not have the relationship with Christ that they need to be able to have this relationship with you. And I pray for those who maybe are here today listening online that hear this. I pray that today is the day that your spirit gets a hold of their heart. That they feel this, this urge that they want to talk to you, but they, there's something between them. And I pray that they can see what is between them is their sin, and they've got to give it over to Christ that he paid the price that they could come to you. Convict and convince them today. Have them cry out to you, Lord. That's what prayer is, is we're crying out to you. And for those of us who have put our faith in you, Lord, let us not neglect this amazing gift. I pray as a body that we will come together and pray more. I pray that, that you will give us the wisdom, Lord, on how to do this, this thing called church because, Lord, we don't know. So we need your wisdom to do it. I pray that you will convict us to spend more time with you. And in that, Lord, you will show us the paths that we are to follow. Thank you, Father, that we can come to you at any time. And so we lift these prayers up to you today.
the prayers that, that people have right now that I know that you can hear in their hearts, the struggle they're going through. I pray what, if you're struggling with something right now, you hand it over to God. If you're wrestling with something, if something is hurting, just give it over to him. Cry out to him right now. He can hear you. Lord, let them feel your presence amongst them as they are speaking, as we're praying to you. We invite you in in doing so. We want to draw near you. Lord, help us to be a, a body that prays. So, Lord, we love you. We are thankful for you. Thankful for your son and the blood that washed us clean. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 